This morning we're going to be looking at what it is to be a friend and brother, what are the true signs of Christian brotherhood, and some of the responsibilities that we share in that brotherhood and who we are, what it is that we're supposed to be doing for one another. And with that in mind, with these thoughts in mind, what I want us to do this morning is really focus upon how we are helping one another grow in Christ, how we are holding one another accountable in our Christian walk, the importance of being a good friend and a good brother, a good sister in Christ. These are the things that are so important. The Bible actually speaks on this. Last week, we talked about the fact that our friends should come within the church. Those that we are uh, truly closest to, our inner circle, should be those that are uh, of like mind and faith and and people that we understand and know will stand with us. And then this week, we're going to look at what does it look like to stand with one another. So if you are new with us today, um, what we're going to do is continue uh, our exercise program. Let's stand together as we read from God's Word. Proverbs chapter 27 Verse 17, and I will read through verse 19, but it says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Whoever keeps the fig tree will eat, its, will eat its fruit, so he who waits on his master will be honored. As in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. Father, we ask this morning that you would speak to us. Lord, that you would give us your word, that we will be uh, very open to what you have to say to us today. Father, we thank you for the many blessings that you give us. And we thank you for, as we look out upon this group of people, Father, that there are people that are saying, we have come today trusting God, relying upon God, and now we come to worship God. So, Father, let us worship you through your word. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Social interaction is so important for each of us. Now, I've met a lot of people who like to say, I don't like people. You ever met anybody that just doesn't like other people? I'd just rather be alone. That's not healthy living. Being alone is not a healthy thing. It's matter of fact, being alone a lot of times leads us to depression and, and other uh, things like anxiety and so on and so forth. And, and to be honest with you, we need one another. I believe that God, when he created Adam, what does the Bible say? There was not a helper there. And so he created woman uh, from Adam, took the rib, and, and there it was. And that means that we're supposed to walk side by side with our spouse and, and also with our friends, side by side together. And so God has put us in a beautiful community. And with that, we see that uh, the Bible calls for us to sharpen one another, uh, to be there for one another. I was asked this week, as uh, we've been interviewing people for the youth position I was asked this week uh, a question by one of the, the folks that we're talking to, and he said this. He said, listen, he said, I, I need to know something about your church. And I said, okay, just ask, and I'll do the best I can to answer it. He said, my main question is this. Do you guys really practice community? Do you really practice being together? Are you really a family? And I said, well, 
Yes. The answer is simple for me, yes. Why, why did I answer him that way? Well, one thing, because as I look through this church, I see my family, my community, my people. And there are those of you that have figured out here at Pine Island that if you have a need, all you got to do is say, hey, I, I have a need. And if we can't fix it from within, we're going to try to figure out a way to fix it by bringing somebody else in that we would know. Uh, but we are family here. We worship together. We, we do things outside of church together. We are a family. We, we cry together. We celebrate together. That is what community is. That's what family is. And as a church, we're to be together. We are to do life together. That's why I tell people all the time, whenever they come to me to ask me to marry them, I ask them a very important question. Are you and your spouse a believer? Why is that question important? Because if you start off on unlevel ground, it's hard to build on that. The Bible tells us to not be unequally yoked, but to be of like mind. So our friends, the same way, who are the people that you gather around you? What should that look like? Well, beginning here, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. The idea here is talking about sharpening the wits or the character of your friends, making sure that those that are around you are growing in their faith because of you, are growing in the word of God because of you. You see, we are responsible, whether you like it or not, we are responsible for the personal church growth of what we believe, of what we teach, of what we learn, of our faith. We're responsible to one another. Excuse me. Allergies like everybody else there. But um, we are responsible to help one another out, to stand together, to help sharpen one another. Just before I came up on... Uh, here to preach, I reached over and I grabbed Denton's arm and I said, man, I need you to pray for me this morning. And, and he prayed for me. And, and part of that is because I, I need to know that there are those who stand with me, who stand beside me. And, I, and, and to hear people praying over me brings great um, calmness to, to, to me. Y'all don't understand, just before I stand up here to preach, I'm always a nervous wreck, scared to death. I don't eat before service because I just get so nervous. I'm, I'm, I want to be able to come up and just, just be able to share God's word, and, and I take this very seriously. And so this morning, I just needed that person to, to come along and just whisper in my ear that prayer that I needed to hear because there are days that, that we have to sharpen one another. There are days we have to keep each other focused. When you see your brother falling down, what should you do? You should reach down and help pick that brother up. If your sister is falling off into sin, what should you do? You should reach down and help pick her up. This is the idea of us coming alongside one another and helping each other grow in our faith. We need to be responsible for each other. We may not like that idea, but it is one that is biblical to help one another along the way. If one brother falls, you help them up. This is the idea of Christianity. This is the idea of iron sharpening iron, making sure that as we hit against one another, we are actually sharpening each other, challenging each other, coming alongside, making sure that the other one is held accountable. This is what the Bible calls us to. But nowadays you hear this, don't judge me. 
Listen, when you come into the Christian walk, you invite your family, you invite your friends to judge your walk. You desire for people to look at you and examine how you're doing. That's part of the Christian life. Part of the Christian life is being an open book and allowing others to speak into it. Now, don't get me wrong. There are sometimes people that speak into your life that have no business speaking into your life. You ever met anybody like that? They all got an opinion, right? And they think that theirs should be heard above all. Somebody said that really loud. Like, yeah, I know somebody like that. Yeah, it's tough because what we're doing as Christians, we are opening ourselves up to the congregation to say to us, listen, if you see something not right, please warn me. Because the last thing that I want to have happen in my life is to walk away from where God desires for me to be. I want people to sharpen me. I want people to be there to challenge me. I want people to be there to push me in the faith. But it also says this. It says, whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit. So he who waits on his master will be honored. Here we are beginning to see the idea that you and I have this interaction to help produce personal growth in the life of others. It's it's seeing to it that people come to that place of producing fruit. When I was a kid, we would go out and we would plant. And you would plant all these different things in the garden. And as you planted those things in the garden, you expected those things to eventually produce fruit. It's the same way within the church. Excuse me, when we began to plant people, God begins to bring the increase. We began to see people come to Christ. Part of the job of the church is to make sure that those people eventually produce fruit within their life. We see change within them. We see things happening in their life that we did not see prior to their conversion. And we're there along with the rest of the church to root them on and to make sure that they are producing the fruit of righteousness. That each one of you should be sharing the good news, the gospel. I challenged our kids this morning. They're in Sunday school. If God has created you and you are called to praise him, what is a simple way to praise him? And, And as most youth do, this was their answer. Right? They're almost afraid to give you an answer, so you kind of got to prod them along. And we talked about, I said, how many of you pray over your meal at lunchtime? And what I found out was this was a challenge for our youth. It was tough for them. So I asked them why, and I said, well, because everybody, you know, is kind of looking, they're paying attention to what we're doing. And I said, but that's one of the easiest ways to bring praise to God. Right there in the middle of your school, doesn't matter if you're public, private, homeschooled, whatever it is, I don't care. If, if you have the opportunity to, to sit down, take that moment to pray. You're giving honor to God for the food that you're about to eat. And as I was a little kid, I learned to pray a lot because we had a lot of bologna sandwiches. And trust me, you got to pray over bologna sandwiches if you're going to eat those. Take that moment to pray. Take that moment to praise God in that school setting where everybody is looking at you. It doesn't matter what they think. That's not important. But then let's look at that last one, the last part here. It says, as in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals 
the man. You don't know who you really are. Who are you when nobody's around? Who are you when nobody's looking? You have to look at yourself in the mirror. Self-examination. What do you really think of yourself? Who are you really? Because that is where you begin to grow whenever you're willing to take a long, hard look at your own life. Your own face in the mirror. Your own responses to life. Folks, we have to understand that you and I have been called to be honest with ourselves. So when nobody's around, who are you? Are you a person that can come alongside someone else and help them grow because that's the call of Christ? Are you the type of person who, when nobody else is around, you're in the word, you're studying, you're praying, or do we find ourselves doing other things? We're not just ourselves, we are the church. And the church needs one another. The church needs to help each other grow. I do a lot of funerals, as you know. And most of the people that I do the funerals for, I do not know who they are. But I will tell you, the one thing that I know for sure between a regular church attender who has a relationship with God and a relationship with their church, and someone who is outside of the church, I will tell you there is a major difference in how they handle the death of a loved one. How they handle life in general. Two totally separate ways of dealing with things. The person who has the church does not grieve alone. The person who has the church does not grieve without understanding. The person who has the church does not grieve as though there is no hope. And then you see the people who have no connection to a church, no accountability towards God through the community. And you see people who don't know how to grieve. They think their loved one is automatically in heaven without actually knowing anything about Christianity. And so they grieve improperly. They don't know how to really deal with loss. I say, well, why are these things important, Brother Tom? Why does this really matter? It matters because in a church setting, we should never, ever be alone. Ever. That is why I'm telling you, I've watched people in church pull away. And as they began to pull away from the church, they began to pull away from God. And when you pull away from both church and God, you lose your purpose. We have people in this church who have walked out the doors, and they don't attend anywhere. I have attempted to talk to most of these people, if not all of them, from time to time, see how they're doing. But getting them back in church, it's a hard thing because once you get out of the community, it's hard to get you back in. 
So if you're here today and you need a place to grow, this is your place. This is a place that will help you come to that place of being able to grow in Christ. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Now, normally, uh, this is something that would be read at a wedding. You'd read this a lot. I've seen this done at, at a lot of weddings. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Uh, you come alongside one another. In my opinion, you get a lot more done when you have someone there to help. It says, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. This is part of what church is about. It is coming alongside each other to help one another through the pitfalls of life, through the hardships of life, uh, through death, um, through failure, even, even our successes. But especially on these verses, when life gets hard, it is better to go through life with someone than to go alone. That's part of what the church is about. It's about coming alongside one another. It says, again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. No matter how much community we have here at church, if God is not the center, if Christ is not the center, and the Holy Spirit is not leading us, then we have nothing. Everything that we do should be Christ-centered. It should be about God. It should be about worshiping and praising. That's where that that threefold cord comes in. It's not just the two, but it's God who is the center of that, the strength of that cord. But let's go back to this. It says two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. This is an idea that you and I must come together and, and become one, one body, one group of people, the church. Now, God has set us up in a very interesting way. If you live within five miles of Pine Island Baptist, would you just raise your hand real quick if you live within five miles? All right, good. If you live, uh, now, those of you that have already raised your hand, you're fine. You don't have to raise it again. If you live within 15 miles of the church, would you raise your hand? All right. How many of you live, let's say, 25 miles or further? I love that. I love that. You know why I love that? Because this is something that God has built that is bigger than what man could have done on his own. Bringing people here, bringing people to this place where we grow, we're not all from the same area, we're not all from the same community, but instead God has brought us in from all over the area and he has begun to build a church that is there for one another, that stands together. I love these Tuesday mornings when our young people were coming up um, I think that's off until next school year, correct? So, um, but, but I like to watch those young children come in and learn from their moms as they're doing that homeschooling. And they're so much fun. And I had the honor this year of, of getting to just go out and, and do some things with them, do a little bit of archery with them and things like that. And some of them, the girls actually beat the boys, but I'm just saying. Um, but uh, it was fun to watch these young people come together and become a family. It's neat to see this and the desire for that to grow and, and bring others in as a ministry. God is using this church. I have the honor of being able to go to the sheriff's office and work there with, with people when they're hurting and when they're in need and as the, as the chaplain for the sheriff's office. It's a blessing to be there. Toddle had been there for years. And I got to learn a lot from Toddle as he did that same job. And, 
And so there's that need there within our community. Others of you are on different boards within our community. You're serving the community. You're giving of yourself. What you're doing is you're taking what you've learned here and what you've learned in your own biblical studies at home, and you're taking that word out, and you're building a bigger community. The footprint of Pine Island, in my opinion, should be all over the place. Pine Island is represented in Africa. Pine Island has been represented in Guatemala and Nicaragua. We've been represented in many of the different states in our United States. Kathy and I both will volunteer to take the word of God to Hawaii anytime the church wants to pay for that. Um, but uh, anyway, um, you know, we just we want to make that footprint as big as possible, right? Um, and if y'all want to know, well, I'll pass the offering plate for that if y'all need me to. Um, but... Uh, we want to make the footprint as big as possible because this is what it is about. It is about taking those, that group of people that God is building at Pine Island and taking that group out and going out and impacting the entire area. But you can't do it by yourself. You have to have partnership and friends who are willing to maybe even be harsh from time to time. We'll talk about that in a moment. If you have your Bible, continue with me here. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. What's the purpose of church here, according to this verse? What's one of the things we should be doing? Stirring up love and good works. Things should be happening. Again, I'll, I'll put another plug in. Jason, you still are on uh, the city council in Waller, right? All right, so we have somebody represented. If you are in church and you want to impact your community, run for office. Run for the school board. Do something to make an impact within the community. Again, this is about that footprint. This is about getting godly people in the right places. It's about stirring up love and good works. Part of those good works is impacting the community. What greater way than being a servant in your community, an elected official? Then he says this. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Be honest with me. Those of you that were out for almost a year or maybe a little bit longer than a year, doesn't it feel good to be back? Doesn't it feel good to be a part of what God is doing with his local body? But there are those who have walked out, no longer assembling, and they feel disconnected. Life is not what it should be. Why? Because God has said to get yourself together. Corporate worship is so important. That's why I love the fact that we have so many people from so many different places coming right here to Pine Island. And you're not forsaking the assembly, but instead you are here and exhorting one another. Do we do that? Do we build each other up? Are we lifting one another up? Are we praying for one another? And so much the more as you see the day approaching, folks, life is about to get hard for the church, even here in America. That's why we need to come together. 1 Thessalonians 
tells us in chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. When you walk into this church, one of the things I would hope for is that we build one another up. We lift each other up. There are a lot of times that I know there are people who are battling some really tough depression. They're just battling, am I really making a difference? And God will lay those people on my heart and I'll pray for them. And a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll just try to either call them or shoot them a text, just a word of encouragement. Why? Because I want them to know that they are making a difference and that they are doing well. Sometimes just listening, just having that comfort of somebody else edifying, building us up, that, makes, that, that just makes everything so much better. I remember when I was a kid, I was known sometimes to not listen real well in church. I would always sing, though, you youth, you. But I wouldn't always listen. And I remember one day the pastor, he called me out above everybody else. And he let me know that he wanted to see me after church. I want y'all to know that after he said that, I tried to listen. But the whole time I was trying to listen, I realized something. I'm fixing to get it. I've never gotten a spanking from a preacher, but I have a feeling this might be happening today. My mama would have come in there and let him beat me, probably. But you know what he told me? He said, Tom, he said, I want you to know, first of all, I love you. He said, second thing I want you to know, people are watching everything that you do. Remember that. This man had opportunity to tell me what an idiot I was, and he would have been correct, by the way. I'm surprised nobody amen that. Thank you. Um, you okay, Denton? <laughs> Denton's over there just holding on. Um, self-control, that's good. Self-control, that's good. He had, a, he had a chance to tell me this, but instead, he took that opportunity to let me know, Tom, I love you enough to call you out. And I love you enough to let you know that you're setting a bad example. So let's move forward with a good example. Just building each other, just come to that place where we comfort and we edify and we come alongside. Folks, your biggest cheering section should come, not outside of your family, should come from within your local church. The people that push for you, the people that desire to see you succeed should come from within your local church. But now let's, let's go back. Let's keep looking here. Proverbs chapter 27. And we'll begin here with verse number six. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Well, well, I don't want my friend to wound me. I'm going to tell you something. You better be willing to have your friend bring you some good discernment. Because sometimes you need that person who loves you enough to get in your face and say, hey, you need to fix this. You need to look at your life. It is time to do some self-examination. Who in here enjoys when their friends ask them those hard questions? But that's what you need. In order to grow, in order to stay on the right, the straight and narrow, you need those faithful wounds of a friend. That faithful person is willing to come alongside you and say, hey, I recognize this in your life. You better start getting this thing right.
And if we're not careful listening to our friends, we'll fall for the kisses of an enemy, by the way. A satisfied soul lulls the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. You read this, and there's a couple of different takes on this. One of the things that stood out to me was this. Those who have what they need are very satisfied. They're not looking for everything else, but for those who don't have what they need, every single thing, even if it's bitter, they'll give it a shot. You know why community and the church is so important? You're not out looking for it in other places that you don't belong. Those that don't have that godly community, even the bar looks good to them. Anything evil, they'll give it a shot just to try it because they're so hungry. That's what I love about the beauty of the church is I don't stay hungry. Instead, I'm full with the love of the people that are there. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders far or wanders from his place. Folks, you don't need to be out looking at other places. This is where you need to be. Sundays, Wednesdays, I do it with this all the time. It's not just Sunday, but it's Wednesday. How many of you understand why Wednesday is here? Because you need that Wednesday pick-me-up about midweek, right? I got to have that. I need that. I'm there, and and I love it because we get to hear good teaching. We get to hear people come and share good news to us. And no matter what age or grade, you, you have different classes for you on Wednesday night, and I love it because people are learning. Listen, these boys who have been coming to know Christ They've all shared with me. Their parents especially have come to me and said, Brother Tom, you don't understand. Larry has ingrained in them what it is to follow Christ. They memorize the scripture. They have it down. Our GAs are learning as well. We're hearing those good news of God and the gospel. They're growing on Wednesdays. Such an important thing. And yet baseball has made us wander off and, and, and all these different Activities on Wednesdays have have caused us to go different places. Come back. Sundays, people have all these extra things to do. Come back. Come home. Be a part of what God has called you to do. Quit wandering around. Ornament and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. You know what? I'm going to tell you, you can put whatever ornament you want to on your life, but until you're willing to listen to a godly friend, you'll get nowhere. That's why you got to have godly people around you so they can speak into your life when you're headed astray. But again, you got to be willing to have people do that. you got to be willing to let people speak into your life. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. There are certain times and certain people in your life that you can't be around anymore because all they do is destroy you. Pick your friends wisely. Ladies, let me share something with you. You teenage girls especially, listen to me. When you start looking for somebody to fall in love with, make sure that above all things they love God, that they have a heart to follow God, Make sure of that. Make sure that they know who 
they are in Christ and that they belong to him. Because trust me, you will already try to fix the other things in your husband's life. The last thing you need to do is try to fix their spiritual life. Walk with them. Find someone who is willing to walk with you that will bring you to church, that will bring you closer to the Lord. Those of you that are looking for a friendship, those of you that are looking for something, you're searching for that place to belong, I'm going to tell you something. I'm thankful that I'm at Pine Island. I'm thankful I've been here for almost 18 years. Because I have walked with people like Howard Berry, Roger Binion. I've had friends from the beginning of this church that are still my best friends to this day. Why? Because you put the people around you that you need to grow. And you're walking then with wise people. Don't walk with fools. You will be destroyed. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. You ever been doing really good and then get around the wrong people? Fall backwards. You may tell what that means. It means you're dumb. You keep going back to the wrong people. <laughs> we don't like that, do we? But it's our choice. We're the ones who keep going back. That doesn't speak much for our smartness, does it? Fix it. Make it right. If you're visiting with us today and that just hits you between the eyes, I'm sorry. We're all guilty of it, right? Every one of us have gone back to friendships we don't need. And here's another one that I would think would be wise. Proverbs 22 says, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man do not go. Who in here has a short temper? If you have a short temper, just raise your hand real quick. You have a short temper. It's okay. No, no, don't, don't be ashamed. Raise it a little bit higher. All right. Now, just keep your hand raised. If you are married to this person, take a picture with their hand raised and remind them of what that picture means later in life, okay? Make no friends with an angry man and with a furious man do not go. Listen. Who do you put around you? You say, well, why is that important? What does this have to do with godly friends? This is why. Lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. You need people that can teach you how to patiently walk through life. Who are not easily angered. Who are not controlled by their emotions. But instead they are controlled by the truth of God and whose they are in Christ. Those are the type of people that you need to put around you. I have watched what angry people do. And I hate to tell you this, but it does affect everyone around you if you're that angry person. So what are you looking for in this life? I am looking for people who will build me up. People who will hold me accountable. People who will be willing to get in my face and say you are headed in the wrong direction and then I need to be willing to say I accept what you've told me 
It's one thing to say, I need that. It's another thing to receive it, correct? So make sure that your own heart is able to receive rebuke from your brother. Because sometimes we need the rebuke. Aren't you thankful for the family of the church? And I'm thankful that God has brought from so many different areas together in one place a family, brothers and sisters in Christ, of whom I rely upon to make it in this life. Make sure that's who we are for one another. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace your amazing love. We ask now, Father, that you just watch over us and guide us as we continue to walk daily in Christ, side by side with one another. Father, may we make the right choices. May we make the right choices to stand with godly people, people that we can count on, rely on, people that we're willing to have speak in our life, even if it's harsh. Because if the truth hurts, that means we have something to fix. Lord God, help us today to focus upon you. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.